This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of Time to Win Again, 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets Where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company, and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a seasoned executive and entrepreneur and influencer in our industry, Jessica Yarmy, by way of Dallas, Texas, native Texan as of today, because we're doing it live and in person, and I'm excited to talk to you. Live from Dallas, Texas. It's great to be here, Pete. Awesome. Before you give your bio, let's talk about soccer for a second. Yes. Because I was a goalie for until I was 40, and then I officially retired because I hurt myself. Um, and I'm okay now, but thanks for asking. <laughs> so you were a D1 soccer player. Yes, I was. So give us like how like being on a team sport at that level kind of put you in position to yeah. run organizations and be bold. Yeah. I have, I'm a lifelong athlete. So I started playing soccer when I was six and played all the way through high school, multi-sport in high school. And then when I went to college, I focused on soccer and I was unanimously voted my team captain my senior year. I was not the best player on the team by far, but uh, I think you know the power of team. Yep. And I think that's really where I found my calling to to build teams and identify like strengths in people mm -hmm. and empower them to hone in on their strengths and and maybe let go of some of the weaknesses. I think a lot of times we spend a lot of time trying to correct our weaknesses when it's like okay to just yeah. be just you. surround yourself with other people. You know, they always say surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. I think you just surround yourself with people who have different skill sets and you know, make sure that that team functions. Um you know, to, to an optimized level. I mean, I love playing team sports. I, I, I don't really like playing sports where it's just myself. Yeah. Um, maybe because you can rely on someone else or you get joy out of someone else actually succeeding and you were well, and you able can to, also, to do it, right? You can also share your failures, right? You know, sure, you like, can spread them around. Yeah. I, I used mean, to I used to come home and I played goalkeeper. Uh-huh. And uh, I started playing goalkeeper at age eight because... I, was, I got chubby because I used to go to the ice cream man and my dad had this uh, change bin and I was allowed to take all the change out. Uh -huh. So I used to hide all the um, those uh, bubble gum, uh, big league chews like blueberry and raspberry under my bed. And I wake up in the morning with like gum all over my pajamas. So oh my gosh. not good to, to ingest that much sugar as like a nine-year-old. Um, so I'm like, hey, oh, so I can use my hands and I'm, I don't have to run. Like I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. And I got good. Um, but... Uh, but it's a thankless role. It is a thankless role, but it's kind of like, I just got to make sure we don't lose. You guys make sure we win. Yeah. And then my mom, I come home crying sometimes. My mom's like, hey, you are you got through the other 10 people. You can get through the 11th. I'm like, yeah, but I'm allowed to use my hands. So not yeah. really a great argument. But thank you for your sympathy, mom. But it's a resilience role too. You you build up that that mental toughness of I'm going to have a loss and I'm going to need to immediately come back from that loss. I need to stand back up and keep playing and dig in. And I think that's a great skill to build 
in high school, in college, because then you go into the business world and you have a loss and you're like, you know what? I know how to deal with this. Yeah. The interesting thing is, and then we'll get to to, to what we were supposed to talk about, right. which I'm not there yet. Um, the interesting thing is if you go to undergrad or you go to business school, there's not a class that's called how to fail or like when to know to pull the plug. Like it's so, and I went to Harvard Business School, so they don't teach you when to say stop because they teach you that, hey, you're gonna be the next so-and-so and they forget to tell you if this isn't working out, you know, it's not personal. Like maybe you yeah. picked the wrong time or it's, you know, there was a pandemic or it was a financial crisis. Um, so I think people need to like embrace the losses and maybe it's a sign to go and do something else. And really people go through something and say, oh, this failed and then, you know, I lost my way completely. Like, there's always a new door that opens up, but it's usually a bigger door. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's go to your bio and then mm-hmm. let's talk about, you know, kick uh, house and, and where you're headed, but let's go, go backwards. Yeah. So I was a division one athlete and like have always been passionate about athletics. I was working in franchising starting in 2008, um, but in restaurant franchising mm-hmm. and had a couple of years of experience in different, in different brands. Burger King, Gordon Biersch, Old Chicago, and kind of hit a crossroads in my career where I could either go work for Crystal Burger, which is a small burger oh, joint. trust me, I went to Emory. <laughs> we used to go to Crystal. Crystal's like, uh, for those who don't know, it's kind of like White Castle, but like a little bit yep. smaller yep. patties and thin. It's a li- it's, you go there only late at night. It's like Whataburger. We're here in Texas, so we can relate it to Whataburger. Um, so I had a, I had a job opportunity at, at Crystal Burger, and then I had a job opportunity to come to Dallas and work for Gold's Gym. And it was really that opportunity to overlap passion points. Um, I'm passionate about fitness. I'm passionate about franchising. I'm passionate about marketing. And so this role was all three of those things yeah. merged into one. Dream job. Did you ever seek it out beforehand? It's interesting. I didn't. And... I think it was maybe because it was Dallas, Texas based, but it got fed to me in LinkedIn two or three times even before I acted mm, on it. Some algorithm it, found you. It's like the algorithm knew. They said this woman was the varsity yeah. captain of her team. She yeah. must want to work at Gold's Gym. Right. And I I didn't act on it the first two, three times I saw it. And it, that it's amazing that the algorithm knew myself better than I know myself. Right. So thank you to LinkedIn for setting her up into her dream Exactly. Job in a dream profession. I would hate it if she, you worked at Crystal because we would never probably have met. I don't think I'm in the market for a Crystal Burger. Yeah, that's true. In any capacity, yeah, ownership or well, and edible. So the other extreme, I don't eat meat, and so it was Ooh, really this moment. Really tough it was you. just really, really a divide kind of moment. And I would encourage anybody who's who's listening, like the magic is following your passion, and if you have the opportunity to follow multiple passions at the same time more power to you, like do that thing. You know, even if it doesn't immediately have a dollar payout, overlap as many passions as you can and go for it. I love that, I love that. So Gold's Gym, then you went and and worked with uh, Club Pilates when it was kind of in their serious growth trajectory. I worked with UFIT Health Clubs after Gold's Gym. I went low cost, high volume for a little bit and then um, got the phone call for my next dream job, which was working at Club Pilates, overseeing the marketing function for that brand. Gotcha. How was it different for you, given that you're an athlete, you're all about results, you're all about community, making people happy, like listening and, and helping, and then going into an HVLP which didn't have the group exercise, doesn't have the personal training. So it was like, was the passion related to like, at least I'm 
I'm in the fitness industry, so I love it here. Yeah. Um, but club Pilates, like you're getting people real results. You know, you've got one on one or one on ten or whatever yeah. it is, and it's a completely different demographic within the, the bigger yeah. universe. So how did how did that make you feel when you? So UFIT did have Group X and they did have some personal training, but the, the dynamic that you're talking about is one of the amazing upsides that I'm seeing in the boutique fitness space. Mm-hmm. And to have a class of 12, to have a class of 25, and just have the ability to really have coach-led touch points yeah. that, that you just don't get when you're in a big box. People don't seek out that help at a big box always. Right. And, it's, and people really need to be almost drawn into it, pulled into the the help. I think none of us like to admit we need help, but I think especially coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the quarantine 15, many of us need the Somebody help. said quarantine 30, and I was like, oh, at least I was below that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's a way too much weight. Um, you think the planet would kind of move off its orbit a little, given the amount of you know, 30, 30 pounds multiplied by, I don't know, 7 billion people? Like, yeah. It's big. It's I thought we were going to maybe solve global warming by moving the Earth slightly further away from the sun, which is the easiest thing to do, but you probably only have one chance to do it, so I understand why you wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think you're onto something, though, you know. Maybe something. We- <laughs> Let's go back to boutique fitness, mm-hmm. shall we? I love boutique fitness. Yeah. I am a consumer of boutique fitness. I'm a believer in it. I have experienced the results of boutique fitness myself. I, I am that person who who needs coach led. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked out at home during the pandemic and had the apps on my phone and started workouts and three minutes into the workouts, paused it, went over to check Instagram, do something else, you know, the attention deficit. Yeah, I, need, I need to be in a live class because I, I need the energy of other people. I need really loud music and I, I just feel, I feel like I'm, I'm challenged more and I also feel like I'm part of something and I don't want to let the team down, even though I probably don't know many of the people that are in the class. Like I want to keep pace and I want to. Yeah. There's accountability there. There's results there. There's motivation. You know, everybody has their Apple watches. You're, you're at home workout. I mean, let's say you're torching 200 calories. You go into a studio, it's not uncommon to burn through 500, 600 calories. I mean, cause you're just in that, in that vote, in that vibe. One, One of the things that I've, that I've, really respected Barry's Bootcamp and SoulCycle as two examples is one, they never went on any of these aggregators of, mm-hmm. uh, of classes and kind of, you know, gave their classes away at, at a lower price. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, with SoulCycle to hold that price point in New York City of like, you know, $34 a class. And people say, oh, that's that's so expensive. And then, you know, you say, okay, well, what else can you do for 45 minutes for $35 that would be equivalent to this? So if you go to a Yankee game, it'll cost you $120 for a reason, reasonable seat divided by three hours. So that's 40 bucks an hour, right? You and I will go grab three Moscow mules. That's $60, mm-hmm. right? So it's actually appropriately priced mm-hmm. as an activity. How has the Dallas market and, you know, kick house as a brand, like where's your price point and how do you, you know, say with a straight face to someone, hey, look, this is our price point, this is what we're delivering and this is how much it costs. And it's not, it's kind of not negotiable because mm-hmm. I'm providing so much to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the value add of the boutique fitness experience is real. And I think coming out of COVID, coming out of the pandemic, when people do need the results, they want to lose the weight. Yeah. If I said to you today, like, hey, Pete, I'm going to help you lose 
10 pounds. Yeah, you let's know? start with 10. Because, like, we're in person here. <laughs> yeah, I don't want people to think I'm, I got bloated. Let's say five, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you want to you, you want to take off my seven that I need? Yeah, but okay, that's so let's, you know, let's go with 10. Let's go with 10. That's, that's probably priceless. accurate. It's priceless to people to okay. be able to, like, have a guided experience. You know, it's really priceless to people that have tools to move better, feel better, live better. And, you know, we're here at URSA, and the news came out about uh, mind body purchasing class pass. And mm -hmm. I think this is going to mark a moment where boutique fitness starts to fragment into exactly what we saw in big box. There's going to be a low cost, high volume kind of like edge of mm -hmm. boutique fitness. Interesting. And then there's going to be another, let's say half that, that maintains their value, adds value operationally. And, you know, the way that you can make up the delta if your per class, you know, per head per class rate starts to go down is you start to cut your operations. You start to cut your experience. You know, so I think there's going to start to be that fragmentation. And I'm not afraid of that fragmentation. I think we're in a good lane where we're providing, you know, real results for people. We're providing real value. And my hope is to stay on, you know, the, the typical boutique fitness model. Um, I don't, I don't want to be a soul cycle priced experience, but, but I think we're priced in the, in the middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the average, we've done several Orange Theory investment banking transactions and bringing in capital. And it seems like the average is about $19.75 pre-COVID for every person that walked through the door, you know, mm -hmm. based on their eight classes a month at, you know, 150 or 160. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was invested at one point and still am in a, in a bar business and we set up an unlimited and forgot to limit it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the average was $7.38, right. you know, in a class that had scarcity because you needed, you know, a certain amount of square footage for everybody. Um, so what, how do you think about a price point and like a, a per visit or a per slot in, mm -hmm. in this business that you're in with Kickhouse? Every studio is so different. Every area is so different just based on like, what are you trying to cover rent rate wise, payroll wise? Mm -hmm. You know, you're in New York City, so you're on the super high end of everything. But I agree with your $19 number. I think you're you're doing well at 19. Right. You're, you're still doing okay at 15. Um, you get below 15 and you start to just you know, it starts to not model out correctly. Right. How many how many spots are there in a in a kick house? About class? thirty. Thirty, okay. Yeah. So we had an undersized studio on the bar example. So, you know, the nine AM class, you can only get fourteen people in there. You got mm -hmm. half of them on an unlimited. That yep. just the, the math doesn't work. Yeah, and what I love about the the timeline that we're in right now is we've spent the last eighteen months just trying to tighten everything up in mm -hmm. the model. Um, because every dollar needed to make sense, you know, yeah. in order to keep studios afloat through the, you know, through the tough time that the fitness industry has been going through. So when everything reopens and the headcount starts to go up, you know, your, your model just is going to deliver even more revenue than it has ever before because of things you've, you've done to make sure you're, you're maxing out that price per head, price yeah. per class. So talk to us about how you got to kick house, started mm -hmm. it and where it's gone, you know, during probably the most uncertain of times that we'll ever experience, knock on wood. Yeah. So I started kick house uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, July of 2019. And, you know, with the support of amazing franchise owners, we're 
We're at 35 locations open right now. And, you know, when I think about the pandemic, you kind of think about everything being flipped on its head from a mm -hmm. fitness industry perspective. And I think there was a lot of fear um, in the industry and there was a lot of worry. And the most common question I get asked about starting Kick House is like, didn't you think it was risky? And I think looking at all of the chaos that was going on in, in the industry, in the world, everything was moving around. And to me, it just felt like it was more risky to stay still, do nothing, and wait for things to return to normal. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going back to normal. You know, this is our new normal. Yeah. Um, we're going to have some element of this happening. So, you know, where are there opportunities? And I'm a believer in the in-person fitness experience. Um, there's been 70,000 apps created in 2020. Is that right? 70,000 oh. fitness apps. And so then and like- some of them have gotten funded and I'm like, well, one, you know, has anyone looked at the attrition on, on a fitness app? It's like 300%. Right, low loyalty, yeah. you know, high attrition. And I think it's, uh, you know, it was kind of a necessary evil to, to help people get through the pandemic. But, you know, the American Psychological Society released a study in February of this year. So, you know, put side by side with that 70,000 new fitness apps, 61% um, of people reported undesired weight loss, weight gain. You know, so 61% of people so you're weren't. That then, didn't solve. It didn't solve a, didn't a problem solve it. for the majority. Didn't of people. solve it. Actually, made it worse in right, a way. Right. So, like, the answer is not to have more tools <laughs> on our phones. Like, we all have the tools on our phones. Sure, sure. You know, the answer is accessibility, approachability of fitness, and and again, that's why I love the boutique space. I think it's it's so approachable for a lot of different people. So, so during the pandemic, you started one location. You put together a franchise disclosure document. And while everyone else is kind of hibernating, you decided like, hey, I'm going into like start a new company mode. Like yeah, what, right. what did a lot of people, so, um, did you bring in any other investors? Did you do this on your own? How did, how did that, yeah, did, I, you, did people look at you and be like, look, call me in 2022, I'm interested. Yeah, absolutely. So I have an investor partner who's in, in New York and he's great. And, you know, if you think about this time that we're in, I've been in fitness now for, almost 10 years and I have, I have 10 years worth of playbooks, right? right and, yeah, sure. and there's just no playbook that applied to the last 18 months. And I think that froze a lot of people. Like, what do I do? I don't know, I don't know the play. I don't know what to do. And for us, you know, myself with the investor partner, it was very freeing. It was like, you know what? The, throw the rule book out. Let's be creative. Let's think outside the box. There's more than one way to to grow location count. Yeah. So who was the first franchisee? How did you select that? I'm assuming that that is probably the highest bar you set because you're basically getting into a long-term relationship with someone, yeah. you know, during a, the tail end of a pandemic. Yeah. And maybe meeting them over Zoom, which probably isn't optimal for, yeah. you know, your vibe reading. I'm sure you're very good at it. I don't know how yeah. good you are at Zoom. Maybe we could do that. <laughs> we'll put like five people on a Zoom and you'll be like, okay, I like that one. And be like, good choice. Yeah. I'm big in face-to-face -face interactions and I've been lucky to get face-to-face -face with yeah. a lot of the owners and, um, and have relationships, you know, early on. I think relationships are huge. What I was looking for in those early conversations was more cultural than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you with 
full transparency and full belief that the owners that are in the kickhouse system right now, they are fighters. Mm -hmm. They want to be there. Right. You know, um, you're you're doubling down basically like during the pandemic, you know, and saying like, I'm I'm going to invest in at, mm -hmm. in, in in face to face fitness when every CNN CNBC headline is saying at home fitness is the new thing. It's you know gyms are dead, um, and my owners are the ones raising their hands saying no, in person fitness is where it's at. You know, it's really interesting now that I kind of digest when you started this. Um, a lot of franchisees who got into this industry, you know, five to seven years ago, when this pandemic hit, they're like, look, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I thought this could be like a lifestyle job, right? And then you actually have people coming to you or connected to you that want to buy a franchise during a crisis. It's almost like they've self-selected them as like, dude, I'm like, fine with you got, I got trouble. Like, fine. Right. I'm just going to go figure out how to get out of this. And so it's almost like the the group, the people that come to you are a little bit crazy like us to begin with, Absolutely. right? So it's like, okay, you're crazy like I am and you yeah. see the light at the end of the tunnel. All right, that's like the first screen that yeah. I could probably hang with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different game right now. It's a different game. Yeah. There's no there's no semi-absentee model right now. You've got to be in. You've got to be fighting. Yeah. You've got to know yeah. your business inside and out. You've got to know where to tighten the strings. And and really, that's been the last 18 months is just manipulating every single string that can be manipulated and tightening it right. so that the studios could stay afloat. And, you know, we're really, like, anxious about the full rebound of the fitness industry and just having, you know, more, more room with all of those strings, you know, mm -hmm. it's been, been so many months of like, you know, hunkering down and tightening payroll and just looking at every single number. So how important do you think it is that you've had the ability to go and look at, okay, I've done overseen at some capacity, you know, X number of youth fit locations you know, hundreds of Club Pilates locations to now where, okay, I can run a boxing report. I, they can tell you where the location is, but you're like almost like your own real estate, like tastemaker, because you, yeah. you've done this so many times. You know what works, what doesn't work. And, and the unique part about this is, did you create the programs also? No, I have a director of programming. Right. So it's usually, the, the, it's usually the program, you know, entrepreneur that basically like creates the franchise and then goes and tries to find someone like you mm -hmm. to, to actually like, okay, I, I want to operate this now, figure out how to turn this into a business. Mm -hmm. So the interesting part here is that like, Hey, I've got all the business skills that are needed and the requisite understanding of what's going to make something successful. And I'm partnered with someone who does the program, which usually yeah. is inverted. And it's, and, and the programmer wants to own the, operation mm -hmm. and want someone to basically like work on it. So yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. I'm just saying like, do you feel confident to the point where, hey, look, I know how to run a business. I know how to grow a franchise and the program is, is important, but like all these business things like make it real. Yeah. I mean, look, where you started with that was site selection and let's use that example. Like site selection is basically 50-50 art and science. Right. And I see a lot of brands doing 100% science. Yeah. And it's not. It's not that. Somebody said to me once, my data is so good, I don't even have to visit the site. I'm like, don't say that ever again. Right. Do not. Southwest Fly costs you 199 bucks. Go see the site. Make sure that that 100,000 traffic, that there's an exit yeah. ramp. 
Yeah. Or else it looks like there's 100,000 people going, but they can't get to your location. Yeah. No, the location is so, so important. And I think that's the beauty of what we're building is I have the programming director put her in her lane. She's running that part like 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a marketing director. She's great. She's owning the marketing function, sales director. You know, we're putting the team in place to run like each of their pieces. And it's not solely on my shoulders. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm putting everybody in their strengths, like you originally said. Yeah. So talk to us about, are you selling single unit locations? Are you doing area development deals, multi-unit locations? How, how is that strategically set up? In most instances, franchise owners are buying three locations. Um, we've had some people approach us about area developer agreements, and I'm staying away from them for right now. Okay. Um, but we're looking to grow rapidly. And I think this next year, um, even even in Q4, like we have a lot more interest in Q4 right now than in even Q2 or Q3. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone's seeing like the writing on the wall, like there's going to be this big comeback and it's just a question of, of when. Yeah. And if it takes six, seven months to open a studio, you know, get in the game now and, you know, you're open to be able to ride that wave. And would you entertain allowing people who... I don't know, let's say I had a 4,000 square foot um, hit studio mm-hmm. and I furloughed it and, you know, I can go back to the landlord. I can get my, my location back. Are you okay basically like having someone retrofit into a kick, kick yeah. house? Yeah. Going back to like the idea of like thinking outside the box, yeah. um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities on the real estate side mm-hmm. and... I don't think we can lock ourselves into, you know, it has to be exactly 2,500 square feet. Right. You know, if it's smaller, we'll build it smaller. If mm-hmm. it's larger, we'll build it larger to take advantage of the the rent rates that I think are going to be out there or the conversions that are going to be out there right. or the brands that are just at their wits end right now and want to get out. Yeah, sure. So in closing, give us a uh, one of your uh, business quotes or personal quotes that made you start up a business during a pandemic when everyone else was kind of undercover. Well, it's fitting. I'll give you uh, an old school Henry Ford quote that's uh, very fitting for the 18 months that the entire fitness industry has been been living through. When everything seems to be going against you, remember that the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. Hmm. I like that one. But that's exactly what we're trying to do yeah. is just run that contrarian play, you know, take off against the wind. Yeah. It'd be probably interesting also, I usually end the, end the session here, but it's probably really interesting to be a part of your team right now, knowing that this is probably as hard as it's going to get, right? In, in, in its own way. Like yeah. there's a macro portion of this, obviously growing a business has, you know, challenges every day, which is kind of what you signed up for anyway. Um, But, but knowing that like, Hey, we're starting this in the worst of times. Like imagine if it's partly sunny, this might be even more fun. It's interesting. We just talked about this last week. And what I told them is if we're doing it right, this is as easy as it's going to be. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I like it. We'll, we'll touch base in, in 12 months. We'll touch base in 12 months. We'll be doing a sequel here. And uh, I'm sure we'll be selling some area development agreements by then. So great work. Thanks for Thank uh, going against the wind and uh, proliferating the halo sector. So Thank you so much for having me. You. Awesome. <laughs>